Hello, everyone. This is the Great Debates Podcast. Who? That's not Medina. It's not Medina. <laughs> we all wish it was. Wish it were. Wish it were, probably. We wish it were Medina, right? Already <laughs> we can see why we miss him. Medina, we tried to get him to be here. We did yeah. a flash record. He sent an email saying he was on the beach camping. Right. And Something he said like he might that. get back here in time. Maybe he'll make it back not. to moderate. That's Maybe the way Medina not. lives. It's amazing. That's beautiful. That's what people <laughs> want from Medina. Okay, so I'm Steve Healy. I'm doing the, the moderating for at least the introduction of the episode. We have a guest. Yes. A listener from Australia, Natalie Tran. Hello. Hello. Hi. We understand you to be some kind of famous celebrity in your native land, but maybe we've been misled. (laughs) You have. Anyway, you seem to get it with great debates. Seemed like you were here in LA. Seemed like a good reason to record a flash episode. So we have a micro. Okay, let's do it. Dave King taking the pro. Pro. Right? Or should I? Or now? I don't know. Dave's taking the pro. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The topic was sent in by a listener, Evan B. The topic is Donald Trump likes mcdonald's because it has his name in it okay i'm dave king i'm taking the pro i'm not saying it's the only reason he likes mcdonald's obviously it's a big fatty food you know delivery system he likes the tastes but somewhere deep in the recesses of his mind we're talking about a massive egomaniac narcissist whether it was pointed out to him or not it's either conscious or subconscious of course he loves it every time he picks up a thing of fries, his name is on there. If there was a restaurant called McDavid's, I'd be eating there. I'd love it. I'd be psyched about it, even if it were on some, you know, deep, silly level. Also, like, I know he's a dumb guy. He's not thinking about wordplay and that kind of thing. But McDonald's has been around for decades. So I think when he was a young man, when it first came into, like, real popularity, he was like, hey, McDonald's, that's, uh, that's my name. Donald, I love this place. It's not 100% why he likes it, but absolutely, yes, that's part of the reason why he likes McDonald's. I guess this is how we interpret the word because, right? Yes. Donald Trump likes McDonald's because it has his name in it. I'm going to argue no. I'm going to say it could be one of the reasons for a lot, of, like a lot of the things that you listed. But you know, if that were also the reason, he'd probably also like Donald Duck and things like that. And I don't think he is drawn towards that character. I think McDonald's is a very powerful brand. I think it is the world's largest chain of fast food I think he likes it because he looks like a kind of guy who eats McDonald's a lot right like when you see someone I don't think he looks like he eats well true but there's a lot of fast food there's like McDonald's Burger King Wendy's by the way like there was a time for a long time in the 80s when McDonald's and Burger King were neck and neck and Donald Trump has loved McDonald's but far and away more than any other restaurant for years and years. Well, so, like, for he's s- a sentimental guy. He's loyal. He's all American. McDonald's is so American. It is worldwide. To me, as an Australian, when I think what's America, I think fast food. I think McDonald's. Well, but isn't it possible then that part of the reason he, even if he likes it because it feels all American, isn't part of that because he feels like all American? And there's something about Donald McDonald, like because you're absolutely right. Actually, like you know, the the origin story of McDonald's is that guy uh, Ray Kroc loved the name McDonald's because it, even though it was a Scottish name or I think it was Scottish, it had something about it that felt all American. So, too, do I think the name Donald is like, I guess it's kind of German or something, but 
there's got to be something deep in Donald Trump's brain that goes, yes, I'm Donald, McDonald's is American, we're both American, we're the biggest, best Americans, that's why I love McDonald's. I'm not even going to taste other fast foods because I love McDonald's so much because it's me. I like They're almost one and the same in his mind. I'm going to just say the fact that McDonald's is so popular means that everybody likes McDonald's and nobody, like this is a whole bunch of non-Donald's, right? Mm. If you asked a bunch of kids right now, what do you want to eat? They would say McDonald's. Not because their names are Donald, not because it's all American or anything. So I would say that Donald Trump being the epitome of like right. what, uh, it, what me, America stands for. Let me take you up on a thought experiment that you kind of introduced here, which is that he doesn't like Donald Duck. I think we've never heard him talk about any cartoon characters. I think, oh, is that the alarm? That's the timer. Do you want to finish your yeah, thought? I just, the basic thought here, and it's not even necessarily a point as much as a thought experiment. If you showed five cartoon characters to Donald, to Donald Trump, and said, pick your favorite. And it was Donald Duck, Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny. We have no way of proving this. No, we don't. But I think you might be like, Donald Duck, he's got my no, name. No, you, you would know this. You, you, know, you would you know would. this like you know the McDonald's thing. Well, actually, if, if I may, oh, Dave's, no. <laughs> Dave's thought experiment leads me to something kind of interesting, which is if you showed him even just the characters in the Donald Duck universe... <laughs> He's going to like Scrooge McDuck. Yes. The I richest. Agree. That's yeah. true. And then the McDonald's of the universe. Th- that leads me to maybe it's a fact I think that Donald Trump's mother was a Scottish immigrant. Maybe he's just likes the Mick of it all. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Guys, I thought that was a great debate. I was really happy. You know, we've never met Natalie before. No. Basically, this is your first appearance I'm so sorry, walking into Great really Studios. Hard, sorry. But no, you did a terrific job. Legalistic, it. finding a word, picking apart Dave's argument on the, the meanings of words. I loved it. Dave, you were passionate as usual. The <laughs> hiatus hasn't caused you to miss a step. I was happy to be back in Great Debate Studios. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're back now and we're in host chat. Natalie, yeah. who are you? What's going on? How's LA? LA is fun. Um, I'm nobody. I don't know how I got here. I'm very excited to be here. Okay. Um, I. What do you do in LA? What's your purpose of visit? Yeah. What's the agenda? My best friend is a really big fan of a Korean boy band called um, BTS. Okay. And they released tickets to a worldwide tour. And she sent me an, a text and it said, I'm really sad. I'm not going to get tickets. And then she sent me a screenshot of LA and that they went on sale soon. So she thinks I have hookups, which I have no hookups at all. And she said, I've never asked you for anything. I really want you to get me tickets to BTS. So I stayed up and I opened up every browser and every device and I got tickets to LA and here we are. Wow. Beautiful. That's amazing. Now, of course, <laughs> this didn't occur to me, but then I was like, oh yeah, LA must be the second most populous Korean city, right? Is it? Yeah. I think LA outside has an enormous, Seoul? yeah, outside of Seoul, second. Seoul is like, I I don't know. See, people say this, but like, and I had someone tell me the demographic is going to be just all Asian girls, but it really wasn't. If you looked at the audience of this BTS concert, I don't think you could pick who, I don't think you would ever go, oh, this must be a Korean or an Asian act coming out. Who was there? Um, It was a mix of everybody. It was. That's awesome. (laughs) I took photos actually because I had this argument with someone before I left, but there was like, (laughs) it was like a Benetton ad. Like there were blonde people. It was everyone. Wow. K-pop. BTS uniting the world. I mean, BTS is like the number one billboard. I mean, this was the first time I had heard them. I've never heard of them. What does BTS stand for? I don't know. Did you like the concert? Um, I really enjoyed watching my friend lose her mind. That's cool. gotcha. I recorded so much That's footage cool. of her. It was fantastic. What's BTS's like number one hit? Do we I know? don't know. Okay, cool. They have a song with Nicki Minaj at the moment. Really? Oh, um, they, we're, we're, well, they, we're I think out they're going to the collab. Like they're number one in like forty something countries. Like they're huge. Okay, okay. so they're they're crossing they're over into all places. Producer Look, Mark, did, do we have word on what BTS stands for? Stand by. 
Standing by Look, for BTS. And we didn't come here to talk about no, different so K-pop sorry. bands. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but why not? I mean, it's fascinating. Because it's not the great conversation yeah, no, about sorry. BTS. <laughs> it's the great debates. Okay. Fans have waited a super long time. They're like, what the hell am I listening to? Yeah, but they're waiting There's for no Medina. host chat, too. You know? Oh, wait. Here we have some information. Probably host chat between you guys, though. BTS stands for Beyond the Scene. Oh, oh. Yeah. Not behind. That's cool. BTS, also known as the Bangtan Bang Boys, Bangtan Boys, I'm not sure. It's an acronym for the Korean expression. Oh. No, I'm sorry. This is a little confusing. It's an acronym for a Korean expression that means bulletproof Boy Scouts. Cool. And then, oh, so this is interesting. In 2017, they announced they'd also be known as Beyond the Scene as part of their new identity, which I assume is expanding in, to the expanding world. Expanding to the English speaking ah. world. Is it possible? Do Thanks, you Mark. guys want to debate about whether it's possible that BTS will, will be bigger than the Beatles? I mean, sure. All right. Do, I mean, do you, are you interested in that? We don't uh, have to. Yeah, I'll take either side if anyone wants to debate me on it. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. It doesn't okay. matter. Around here, it doesn't matter. Well, let's either you and I just quickly get let's a two-minute one, two minutes. and yeah. then Natalie will tell us how she feels. Yes. Okay, all right. I, I want... What do you want? I want the pro, because okay, I take think it. it's less life-affirming. Take it, take it. Somehow. Take it. Okay. 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 I don't know why. Two minutes are going on the clock. Because the topic I, is okay. BTS may, be, may become bigger than the Beatles. Okay, good. Ready. <clears throat> Okay, Go. they already are bigger than the Beatles. The Beatles' appeal was basically limited to the UK and the US and parts of Europe. BTS has already taken over, it sounds like, three continents. They're number one in 40 countries. Maybe the Beatles were big in Australia. But if we're talking about just like raw numbers of who is buying albums and who's into it, who's listening to their songs, if based only on like the rising world population and the easier access that everyone in the world has to their music, BTS is already, if not already, they'll easily surpass the Beatles in terms of popularity. Also, people under, like, people forget about just how short a time period the Beatles were together for. It was only really like seven, six or seven years. I don't know how long BTS has been around, but it's gonna be easy for them to surpass them in, longe in longevity and like that's another way that you continue to build more fans. Of course, they're going to be bigger than D the Beatles. Dave. Your assumptions are so flawed. First of all, the Beatles are huge in Latin America. They're huge in Asia. They're huge in Russia. So they're BTS. huge all over the world. BTS is we, already. We have one as data point about BTS. BTS. One person went to one show that was a big deal. No, okay. We heard that there were five the concerts last night in Los Angeles. They were the world, deal. and they're number one in forty countries. Okay. Also, just endurance. The Beatles have endured for what. 50 years now, just like the Lindy effect. If something has existed for a long time as a popular or cultural effect? phenomenon, it's likely to continue existing. What even is the Lindy effect? The Lindy effect is basically... You talk about the dance, the Lindy? No, an economist named Lindy. Oh. I don't know all the details, but he was asked to pick what Broadway show is going to be running a year from now, and he picked the one that was already the longest running, because that's just what happens. The Beatles have been big for 50 years. That just is a good indicator they're going to be big for another 50 years. This is literally the first time you and I have heard of BTS. BTS may sell a lot of records. They may be a huge band on a lot of metrics, but they're not even going to come close to the cultural impact, relevance, power of the Beatles. It's already too late. The idea Frankly, the Beatles existed at the emergence of rock and roll. BTS so is already coming oh. on too late for whatever they are. I guess the alarm went off already. <laughs> yeah. It's just so wow. self-centered of you to be like, we're just hearing about BTS for the first time. They couldn't possibly be the biggest band. Yeah. It's such a, like, 
uh, egocentric way of viewing the world. In a way, yes, but it's also like, <laughs> unfortunately, this is how I view, how everyone views the world. You take in data, you try and get as You're many right. data. Look, am I a person who is uncurious? I've been to Korea. I'm, I'm not like, <laughs> it's not like I don't care <laughs> and I'm not interested in different things in the world. Okay, I'm just telling you, right. like, in my explorations, this is the first time I've ever wow. heard of them. Okay. Okay, sorry. Well, what did Natalie passionate. think? Any thoughts at all about... I just realized how ill... Yeah. Like, this is a terrible position for me to be in because I have just had an experience myself going to this concert, so I don't think I'm going to be very... um Unbiased. Neutral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's I just have to say, just for people who are listening at home... Yeah. Steve is so much more like emotional than I <laughs> when he talks. It's really, it really gets you going. Um, yeah, he gets he gets portrayed somehow as like the cool. Rational no, he's guy. really <laughs> he's really emotional, about? like hand yes, movements and everything. You. Yes, um, okay. It's very and like that draws me in. Mm. Like I get and I really like what you're talking about longevity. Yeah. I enjoy that, but I kind of also agree with Dave that like I don't think that people sitting around a table who haven't heard of BTS is a good indicator of what is actually big in pop culture. And I think the reality is we're all getting older, right? Oh, yeah. We have no idea. We have we no are, idea. BTS could be bigger than the older. Beatles now. That's and I what I said. And, that, and, I, and I really liked the... Yeah, I, I really liked Dave's <laughs> points about perhaps they're already bigger. Yeah. Um, and Steve, you argued that despite metrics, you know, but I think that kind of already suggests that they are... I'm going to give that one to Dave. Wow. Yes. All right. Well, I feel like <laughs> going to do. Hey, speaking of another emotional speaker... Oh, no. We put out the call for tops last night, and a top came in that lit up our <laughs> Twitter. People were into this top. It came in from our own fact checker, Nate Stein. Oh, well, we love A Nate. great guy, yeah. great presence. Check this guy out on Twitter. He used to be a fact checker for The New Yorker. He's really funny, really smart guy. He sent in the top, Hitler would get nervous before a big rally. Now, look, Dave is wincing. What, what's the problem? I have a history of <laughs> getting in trouble or just like talking about Hitler when I shouldn't. Yeah. I want I like I was kicked out of my Hebrew school class once cuz I defended Hitler more than I should have. Not entirely, <laughs> Wait, but I what? Like, I feel like I've talked about this before, but when I was like 12 yeah. in Hebrew school. Know your audience, definitely. Definitely know <laughs> your audience. <laughs> but basically like I felt like we we were hearing about this is just no, awful. This Basically, is Basically, like, we were, it was like, you know, we'd get taught about the Holocaust yes. every year. Yes. And obviously, we should have. I'm not yeah. arguing what I said was right. It's a theme. But basically, I felt like our teacher was kind of preaching hate about the Nazis. Okay. And All I right. said, Moshe, we were encouraged to call him by his first name. Okay. I said, you know, they're just people too. How is this different than what the Nazis themselves were doing by saying like this group of people? Ooh. Now, it's not a great argument, yeah. but it's not a bad argument for a 12-year-old. Okay, yeah. And mm -hmm. he was like, David, get, you go wait in uh, go wait in Mr. Aronson's class. Think about what you've said and then calm down. He okay. was really like He wanted you offended. to calm down. And probably rightly so. And yeah. also probably the way I said it was probably way more inflammatory <laughs> and less rational than what I did. Well, wait, right I got to say, it sounds yeah. like you weren't defending Hitler so no. much as you were saying, like... You're right. Yeah. I was... I think I, we can do... No, I think it's fair right. to beat up on Hitler. I was comparing my teacher to Hitler. <laughs> is what I was doing. Okay. So, gotcha. I had to take a time out. That didn't play in Hebrew school? It didn't play. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so you're reluctant to debate 
like this topic at all. I well, also, I feel like we have a history on this podcast where I'll go like, I hate to say it, but that's like saying yes, and then you go, ugh, dude, you always bring up the Nazis and Hitler. It's a lame (laughs) thing to do in an argument, but this is we're going to be talking about Hitler. I'll say and his emotional life and etc. Yeah. So when you say been working towards this your whole life, this this top is what you've been. This is what twelve-year-old David was working towards. It's another way of looking at it. That's true. I tell you what. How about this, Dave? Yeah. Go ahead. Sit and chill in Mr. Aronson's glass. Thank you. Natalie and I will debate this topic. Natalie, you can have either side. Dave, whenever you feel ready to Mm -hmm. calmly (laughs) or emotionally (laughs) enter, you can do so. Okay, great. Okay, is that all right with you, Natalie? Do you have a similar uh, fear of Hitler or? A similar view of Hitler. I think we all have a similar view of Hitler. I hope so. I hope so. You can go to timeout. Uh, um, would you like to debate one side or another of whether I'll take he the would pro. get nervous? I'll take the pro that he, okay, he does get nervous. Okay, great. So the topic on the table, uh, Hitler would get nervous before a big rally. This is our main. We'll put five on the clock just in case. Natalie, opening I, statement. <laughs> Hitler, at the end of the day, was just a guy, just a person. He had flaws, and I'm not going to get into that. But he is a person. Do people get nervous? Yes, they do. You show me a person who doesn't get nervous before an, any kind of event or situation that bears consequence. Hitler knows. I mean, he's also probably freaking out. These people are going to find out that I'm a fraud. You know, my mum's just like, he knows all this stuff. And he's like, I have to work this room. I have to work this crowd. You, anytime you do any kind of public speaking, mm-hmm. especially in this kind of situation, when the stakes are so high, <laughs> he is going to be nervous. Because he is a person at the end of the day. Hitler was not some kind of person void of normal emotions. Okay, I'm going to agree that Hitler was a person in the biggest sense. But I think there are people who are, uh, they can kill without feeling anything. They can uh, play in an NFL game without their blood pressure going up at all. They can, uh, uh, you know, fly a plane and drop bombs on people and be in very dangerous situations without feeling anything. Mm -hmm. I think that it's possible and, in fact, likely that this is a guy who either didn't get the feeling of nervousness but got the feeling of excitement, got a feeling of passion got a feeling it couldn't wait to get out for the rally not nervousness <laughs> but was built up for it i also think it's possible that this was a guy who is totally cold-blooded and dispassionate in a way that like words like nervous didn't really apply certainly not at the stakes of a rally maybe like at the last second when the red army was surrounding his bunker it seemed like he did i'm going from the movie downfall and the parodies <laughs> of it that i've seen seems like he lost his cool at that point but even that i wouldn't really call nervousness it was fury and rage so i think okay i think the most likely scenario is before a big rally hitler would be worked up uh something closer to enraged excited impassioned furious but nervous no i don't think this was a guy who got nervous speaking in front of a crowd i think he had that one down pretty well in fact i think he almost maybe needed it and would have gotten nervous uh if he didn't have a big rally would have gotten it was the kind of guy who got nervous when he wasn't speaking in front of a ton of people i'm going to argue that adrenaline a part of it is made up of because you're you're nervous Mm. about something so when you go skydiving or when you do Mm. something like that you are pumped you're excited you're you know all of these kind of things, but it's also a a big part of that or a big factor of that is nervousness. And I would also argue that when you talk about people getting adrenaline from going in front of a crowd, I mean, any kind of 
performer will tell you, yeah, you get a rush, yeah, all of this stuff, but you're still scared. There's still always the possibility that this won't work out. None of Hitler's rallies were always like, you know, is 100% going to be good, you know? Right. He knows, he knows, and he may not have been the kind of guy who said he was nervous. Okay. But he but definitely would have been the kind of guy that was nervous. Let's say he took that f- – he, he was about to g- go to a big rally and he was like, okay, some of the people aren't going to like this. Was his emotional reaction what we would call nervous? Like the broadest possible interpretation, I think nervousness has to include some kind of fear or anxiety or uncertainty. Or was his reaction like anger and fury and doubling down on his energy, which – Sure, we can trace it back and unravel it and declare that that's nervousness, but really, we're not talking about being nervous. We're talking about being inflamed but think and about, aggravated. Think about being a person. Let's let's bring yeah. this back to being a person. Okay. When a child is angry yeah. and enraged yeah. and yelling, you go, "What is creating that? Yeah, where is that coming from? Yeah, it's coming because they're scared. Yeah, they don't have boundaries." Hitler had no boundaries, right? Okay. So Hitler doesn't have someone going, here are the boundaries of life. All right. And when you were saying that people like NBA, like NBA stars and that everyone has something that they're not nervous about. Okay. I would say Hitler's not nervous about like genocide. That's his thing, okay. right? Public speaking, he still has to be nervous about. You can't be nervous, not nervous about such huge domains. What about this? Do you think Hitler was more nervous before he got the results of like the Vienna art contest or was he more nervous before a big rally? Because I think... The big rally, there's a big rally about to happen. He's happy. That, that was a great moment for him. That I was- think he would have been more nervous about the rally because he's already had a failure in life, which is the art. Yeah. And he has gone, I've gotten to this point. I know I'm a failure within. I know I have failed at the thing that I am good at. Here is a crowd of people that I have to convince that I'm good at something and it's just going to end up just like this art thing. Everything is going to come crumbling down. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that nervousness and fear weren't a part of Hitler, but I think those things were building up when he was a young, unemployed soldier, you know, when he was writing Mein Kampf, when he was in prison, like when he was stewing and festering that like, you know, okay, that's five minutes. Dave, Mm. (laughs) what should we do (laughs) with this debate? I mean, I thought that was kind of fascinating okay, because yeah. what we got to really was like an interesting discussion about kind of the fight or flight response, like two, our, our nervousness and exhilaration, two sides of the same coin. Yes, what does it mean yes, to be yes. nervous before if you're, if you're worked up and enraged is, is part of that. I mean, I thought I found that here are the two most compelling arguments I heard from Natalie. Okay. One yeah. was the idea that like, Yes, where if even if he is worked up and he wouldn't describe himself as nervous, where does that come from? There's a place of fear and there's a place of like, you know, like a, a well-adjusted person isn't going to be flying off the handle before a rally of any kind. They right. Might, they would be, they might be like, a well-adjusted person who isn't nervous might be like calmly excited. Right, going like, right, oh, right. I can't wait for this to just happen. Right, already. yeah. But to be... To, and we don't know what Hitler was like before the rallies, but <laughs> no. you were painting a picture of him sort of like being enraged and excited. Yeah. I'm going to get everybody ginned up today, which I don't know, maybe true. I don't know. There was another idea that came up really early, which I was fascinated by, which was that he's nervous because he's going to be exposed as a fraud. What a rich idea that is. It's very much so. Because I think there's a lot to that. And like, I mean, I, w- I, w- I would have loved to hear more about that. I think the idea that he was getting up, that he was nervous because... Do, like, did he really believe in what he was saying, or did he know that this was all a house of cards built on pseudoscience and just inflamed rhetoric that yeah. was that he, or did he really believe that, you know, the Aryan race was? Pure? I don't know what the answer was. Is his to toughest those. audience himself, 
before the rally, was it like, oh, I, I'm nervous because I got to convince myself Maybe. by the time we're through or I'm in big trouble. Right. Yeah. Could be. I would say slight edge to <clears throat> Natalie just because I felt like those, I was gripped by those. But I did like the idea that he was, <laughs> that like he was. I don't know, that he was psyched. That, like, for him, it was like a rock concert, and he's just like the Foo Fighters before a, a show, just getting all like, yeah, yeah, let's do this already. Raise the curtain. Although, on the other hand, if he was like genuinely believed what he said, then wouldn't he be just furious that the stuff he has to tell these the yeah, German yeah, people yeah. is like, right. this? you're not going to believe how bad this is. Like, we got Jewish people everywhere. It's like, we got to do something about this. Because he's scared. Yeah, I think the idea of considering that Hitler was really, really scared, yeah, is you know. I see why Moisha you didn't want. Might... I, I see why you didn't want to partake in this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Now I see, now as we're wrapping things up, why <laughs> exactly. why this is kind of problematic. Yeah, I see. He's on the edge of saying, "I kind of yeah. feel bad for him." No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding. I'm understanding the problem that, now. I'm just saying, like. There's a reason why we, tr- we we don't go towards treating this guy with any kind of humanity because it's right. like at some point it's just like y- yeah you can't maybe have I shouldn't have taken the pro yeah look I feel like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I understand the problems much yes. more it turns out there's a lot of problems with talking about Hitler yeah he's thorny he's a thorny a thorny <laughs> topic you know why because he's a human and there's a lot of, right. lot of dimensions to every person yeah well listen we've put together an episode of the great debates which hopefully <laughs> listeners will respond to natalie thanks so much for being here thank anything you, you want to promote you. thoughts i have one of your t-shirts it's very comfortable oh there we go there you go i Can't wear bowling yeah bowling. hey thanks so much for a wonderful day of debate <laughs> bye bye we're gonna tear it down we're gonna tear it down. We're gonna tear it down someday. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King, and the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina.